Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So last week, as you know, my family and I, we were on vacation, uh, and, and let me just say thank you. We had such a great time being able to just get away as a family and, and being able to just spend some of that time uh, resting and, and relaxing with one another. And, and for those of you that are on social media, then you saw those pictures that we posted from the beach. We, we were blessed to go to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we spent a week there. We were able to find on Airbnb a beach house that was very close to the water. So every day we were able to just wake up and go to the beach. And, uh, and so it was just uh, a, a lot of fun. Now, from what I've heard and from what I've seen about Gulf Shores, Alabama, they're, they're supposed to have very beautiful water. But that first day that we arrived at the beach, we think because of the hurricane that was down in Mexico at the time, uh, the water was extremely choppy and it was dark and cloudy and, and, and brown, right? You couldn't see through it. Uh, and, and so... When we got there, even as I would stand on the shore and I would look out, you would just see these sheets and sheets of seaweed coming into the shore, right? Now, you know, I grew up on the coast, right? And so I'm very familiar with the Texas coast, and I've seen my share of seaweed throughout my life, right? But I have never seen this much seaweed in my entire life. There were times when I would go into the water and I was just wading through seaweed. Uh, and so as I thought about this, you know, Gulf Shores is not a short drive, right? It's a 10-hour drive to be exact, and that's without stopping. And so, you know, as I'm standing there wading through the seaweed, looking at all of this brown murky water, I'm thinking, is this really what we came all this way for? Right? Is this the water? I could have gotten to, to this water in, in Texas with just a couple of hours, right? Is this really why we drove all this great distance? Regardless, we went there so we could go to the beach, right? And so we, we still went back the next day, and thankfully the next day was a little less cloudy, a little less seaweed. But it was the third day when we arrived when the waters were beautiful. The, the water was green, and it was clear. I, I went, and I stood in the water, and I could look through the water all the way down at my feet, and I realized this is why we drove here. This is why we came all this way, so I could see my feet. <laughs> no, this is so that we could go to, to that beautiful beach. Uh, so we're in the middle of this series right now titled Rooted. And as we're going through this series, we're just walking through the book of Colossians. And and as we think about this life, a lot of times our life can feel like the first couple of days at that beach. It can feel choppy at times as we are tossed about by the waves of this life. Or or maybe it even seems cloudy and murky as we kind of wade through the agendas of this world and the lies from the enemy. And so the question for us then is in the midst of all of the choppiness, in the midst of the world's agendas and the lies from the enemy, how can we see clearly? 
And the answer is simple. We are to root our lives in Jesus. We are to root our lives in Jesus. If you remember, Paul is currently writing to a Colossian church that is, is wading through the lies and deceptions of the, the world and the enemy. And while they were strong in their faith at one point in time, here they are vulnerable to deception. And so Paul gives this reminder in chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. And really, it's more than a reminder. It's a call. He says, so then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. We are to root our lives in Jesus. So let me pause right here and just remind you of our overarching truth for this series. The world complicates things for us. The enemy confuses things for us. But God's word makes things clear for us. And God's word points us to Jesus. And so while we may be tossed about by the waves of this life at times, while, while we may have to wade through the agendas of the world and the lies from the enemy, the beauty of being rooted in Christ is that in the midst of all of that, we can still see clearly. And let me just say this. You don't have to go a great distance to get to Jesus. Jesus has already traveled that great distance for you, whenever he came into this world, when he went to the cross, and when he died for your sins and for mine. And so today, Jesus is not far off. Rather, he is very near and readily available. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 today. We're going to look at verses 12 through 17. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. Now, as you're turning there, I want to highlight... The phrase that we're going to see at the very beginning of verse 12, we're going to see Paul say, therefore, as God's chosen ones. And there's a couple of things that I want to point out about this phrase before we read this passage. Right? So first, that, that word therefore is a call for response to what was previously stated. You may have heard some pastors say in the past, if you see the word therefore, look back and see what it's there for. Right? And so th this is a call for response to what was previously stated. And so last week, if you were here, Nathan, he did a great job of continuing in our series. He, he looked at the first part of chapter 3 with you, verses 1 through 11. I'm so thankful that he and his wife traveled down here so that he could fill the pulpit for me. But, but y'all looked at the first 11 verses of chapter 3 last week. And in those first 11 verses, Paul is reminding the Colossian church of this transformational moment in their life when they came to know Christ. And, and, and so there's this reminder that they are no longer dead in their sins, but now they are alive in Christ. And so there's this call for them, but also this call for us to turn away from our sins because we have given our life to Christ, because we are no longer dead in our sins, we are to turn away from our sin. We are to turn away from the things that we were once bound in while we were still dead in our sin, and we are to remember the resurrection of life that we have received in Christ. And so our passage today is going to be dealing with our response, our continued response as a believer since we have come to know Christ as Lord. Now, if you have not yet given your life to Christ as Lord, 
then, then your first response today needs to be to come to Christ as Lord. Because as we walk through this passage and as we see these things that, that we are to put on, if you simply just begin doing these things apart from a saving relationship with, with Jesus Christ, you're going to be doing these things in vain. Because really what you're going to be doing is simply behavior modification. But understand, Christ didn't die for behavior modification. Christ died for heart transformation. Christ didn't die for behavior modification. Christ died for heart transformation. And so as we walk through our passage, if, as we see what our response should be to Christ as a believer, if you've never given your life to Christ... Then, then first, give your life to Christ and allow Christ not simply to mod modify your behavior, but allow Christ to transform your heart. And those behavior modifications then, then will follow. So that word, therefore, is a response to what was previously stated. But the second thing that I want to highlight are Paul's words, God's chosen ones. So who are God's chosen ones? Because really, this is something that we see all throughout scripture, not just in this passage. We really see this concept, this idea all throughout scripture of God's chosen ones. So let me just give you a simple definition of God's chosen ones. God's chosen ones are those that God has entered into a covenant relationship with. God's chosen ones are those that God has entered into a covenant relationship with. Throughout the Old Testament, because of the covenant that God entered into with Abraham... It was the Israelites that were God's people. It was the Israelites that were God's chosen ones. God chose to reveal himself to the Israelites and to walk with the Israelites. But he also gave the Israelites a promise, a promise of a coming Messiah. And so Jesus came into this world as a fulfillment of this promise. But the Israelites rejected Jesus, right? They rejected him as the Messiah, but Jesus went to the cross, he died on that cross for our sins, and it is through his death and through his resurrection that Christ made that covenant available, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles and to all those who would believe, to all those that would turn from their sins, that would turn to Jesus, coming to know him as the Lord. And so God's chosen ones are those that God has entered into a covenant relationship with. And so God has chosen, at this point, God has chosen to enter into a covenant relationship with those that have chosen to turn from their sins, turning to Jesus Christ as Lord. And so the question today for you is not simply, has God chosen you, but have you chosen to give your life to Christ? Have you chosen to turn from your sins, allowing Jesus to be your Lord? Because if you want to be one of God's chosen ones, then it is only through Jesus. And the door is open to any and to all who would believe. God's chosen ones are those that God has entered into a covenant relationship with. And today you can enter into that covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, with God through Jesus Christ. All right, with that in mind now, let's read our passage. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now as we look at this passage today, we're going to look at this from the perspective of daily routines. Now, I don't typically title my messages. You'll notice in in the bulletin, the title for this message is Rooted Part 8, right? Because I typically tie my my messages so much to the theme of the series, generally, I'll just let the title of the series be, be the sermon title. But today, if I were to title this message, I would title it, title it The Daily Routine for the Believer. The Daily Routine for the Believer. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I like routines, right? I, I'm a person, I live by routines. In fact, Sarah and I, we, we both really live by routines together. During the school year, we had our daily routine. Every morning, we'd wake up early, and we'd make a cup of coffee because mornings are hard, and coffee helps, right? And then we'd study God's word, and then we'd take showers, then Sarah, we'd get, we'd get ready for the day, Sarah would leave for work, and then a little while later, after the kids were ready, I'd take them to school, and then I'd walk over to the church building so that I could begin my work day. That, that really has been our routine for a bulk of the time that we have lived here since we moved here so closely to the start of the school year last year. But now that we're back from vacation, and the kids are out of school, and Sarah's out of school, we're trying to develop what our new kind of summer routine is, trying to figure out what that looks like. Now, I understand that not everybody enjoys routines as much as we do. But as we walk through our passage today, I believe that what we see in here are things that should be habits in every believer's life. Things that we should be doing as believers, not just as a one-day thing, but as a consistent thing. These should be consistent habits in our lives. And so these, there, there's three habits that we're, we're going to look at today that, that I believe that as a believer, these should become a part of your daily routine. All right, so first, first, we need to get dressed. We need to get dressed. Let's read verses 12 through 15 again. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. We need to get dressed. Now, if you remember from last week, if you were here with Nathan, in that first part of chapter 3, really... uh, That passage is dealing heavily with what we are to take off as believers, what we are to remove from our lives, those sinful attitudes, those sinful actions that in the past had ruled in our hearts and in our lives, but now they no longer rule in our hearts and our lives because we have been set free by Christ. And so because these things no longer rule over us, 
We are to take these things off as if we're taking off clothes that no longer fit us. So I actually had a conversation with someone earlier this week about our growing children, right? It can seem like when your children are growing, it can seem like you're in a constant state of buying new clothes for them, right? Anybody else relate to that in here? And so really you have two options for your growing children. You either buy them new clothes or you let them go naked, right? And naked just isn't an option, right? And so so as we look at... At chapter 3, right, Paul has told us to remove these things from our life, to take off these things as clothes that no longer fit us. But, but we are not to remain spiritually naked, right? We are to put things back on, but we don't put back on the clothes that no longer fit us. Uh, that no longer fit us. Paul tells us the things that we are to put back on, the, the things that we are to clothe ourselves with. And, and while we don't have time for me to go into detail to just discuss each one of these individually I do want to highlight the very first one compassion we are to put on compassion now the word that the CSB that I'm preaching from the word that the CSB uses is compassion but other translations use the word uh, tender-hearted or tender mercies tender-hearted mercies right and, and I really think that that those translations really capture better the heart of this word compassion here with, with what Paul is saying because the word that, that's translated as compassion really bears the weight uh, of being tender towards the feelings uh, and, and what someone else might be going through. So this last week on our first day, we're, even though many people gave us very kind warnings about make sure you put on enough sunscreen, and, and we did, we put on plenty of sunscreen, right? By the end of the first day, I was sunburned. I was toast, right? My, I, I wore a long sleeve shirt, but my hands were burned. My neck was burned. Uh, but the worst part was my feet. My feet were burned. They were red. They were swollen. And, and it was just, it, I couldn't even put socks on without them being in pain or shoes. Or, I couldn't even put flip-flops on, right? They were tender to the slightest touch, to the smallest touch. This is the type of compassion that, that Paul is describing here. When he says that we are to put on compassion, we, we are to be sensitive. Our hearts are to be sensitive, that our, that our hearts would be tender even to the slightest touch of someone else's misery. We are to be sensitive towards that. Now, as we look at our culture, as we look out at our world, there is this sense of being sensitive today, right? But I think many times the sensitivity that our world has, that our culture has, is a lot self-focused, right? You have hurt my feelings. Instead of being others-focused in our sensitivity, right, we, we often become self-focused. And so when, when we get hurt, right, we might get angry, we might get defensive, we might get aggressive. But we're not called to look like the world we are not called to look like the culture. We are called to look different from the culture. So let me pause right here and say this. When we get dressed, spiritually speaking, we should look more like the Lord and less like the world. When we get dressed, when we put on these things that, that Paul is telling us to put on, it is to make us look more like the Lord and less like the world. We're not called to be self-centered. We are called to be others-focused. And so 
Let me just tell you from experience, when, when Sarah and I, in our marriage, if she is sensitive towards what I'm going through, and if I'm sensitive to what she's going through, there's a, a lot less likelihood that we're going to have our feelings hurt, right? Because when, when we get dressed the way that God calls us to, things just work better, right? God knows best. Things work better, and, and, and we're going to end up looking more like the Lord and less like the world, so the first thing that we need to do is we need to get dressed. Second, we need to go to God's word. We need to go to God's word. Let's look at verse 16 again. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing God with gratitude in your hearts. We need to go to God's word. Now, I've already told you that Sarah and I, we, we have this consistent habit of every day starting out our day by going to God's word. And if you don't have that a habit in your life of consistently going to God's word, whether morning, noon, or night, right? I don't care what time of day it is. But, but if you don't have a consistent and daily habit of going to God's word, let me encourage you to, to put that into your daily routine to go to God's word consistently because God's word is going to be our source for for truth and for clarity in this murky and confusing world but beyond going to God's word simply to read it and, and to study it on a daily basis really this there's this greater weight here that Paul is saying when he says let this let the word of Christ dwell richly among you this is more than simply opening up God's word to read it on a daily basis. It's really this idea of God's word living with us and, and going with us and, and impacting every single thing that we do in our life. So let me pause right here and say this. For the believer, there are no compartments in this life. There is only one life lived in obedience to God's word. Right? And what I mean by that is we don't have our our. Christianity or, or our walk with Christ in a compartment over here and then we have our work compartment and our politics compartment and our relationships compartment right no 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 God's word and our relationship with Christ is to impact every single thing that we do every word that we speak every action that we take it is to impact all of our lives as a whole we we don't have compartments in this life there is only one life lived in obedience to God's word. But understand, as we look at this, Paul's not just talking about how God's word should impact us on an individual level. Really, this is, Paul's talking about this on a corporate level as well because he is writing this letter to the local body in, the local church body in Colossae, to the Colossian church. And so there's this idea that, that we are to hold each other accountable as we look at God's word, as we study God's word together, we are to teach one another and we are to, to hold each other accountable to God's word. Now, I understand we don't always like that word accountability because we don't want others pointing out to us when we're doing something wrong, when we're going the wrong direction. But really, that word admonish there, that's exactly what it means. It means to warn someone when they are going the wrong direction. It means to warn someone when they are doing the wrong thing. And so as believers, as a church, we are called to, whenever we come together and even outside of these walls, we're called to turn to God's word and to hold each other accountable to what the truth of God's word says. 
But understand, as we hold one another accountable, this is all tied back to getting dressed, right? Because as we hold one another accountable, it's going to be impacted by our compassion, our kindness, our humility, our gentleness, patience, and love. Forgiving when, when we need to forgive, all of this is going to be impacted. So, so we're not holding each other, each other accountable with a heavy hand, right? We are holding each other accountable with compassion and in love. And, and we're pointing one another not, uh, not only back to God's word, but really to God's character as we are clothed in that compassion and kindness and gentleness. Because these are all character traits of God as well. And the only way that we're going to reflect God's word, the only way that we're going to be able to get dressed like that is, is we need to be consistently going to God's word. So we need to get dressed. We, we need to go to God's word. Finally, this morning, we need to give thanks. All right. Let's read verse 17 again. It says, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving Jesus uh, in, the in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are to give thanks. And this thankfulness that we are called to have, this thankfulness that, that is to overflow in our life, is a thankfulness that is a result of Christ's death and resurrection, remembering that. When we remember that on a daily basis, it, it, it causes us to walk in thankfulness regardless of what we're going through. Man, we have received such a great thing through Christ's death and resurrection. And, and so today, right now, we're, we're running short on time, but we're still going to do this, right? We're, we're going to practice thankfulness right now. We're going to practice this thankfulness through remembering Christ's death for us. And so I'm going to invite the deacons forward at this time. Uh, and we're going to just take some time to remember Christ's sacrifice for us through the Lord's Supper. And so deacons, if you would come at this time, and let me just say this as they're coming, if you're here with us today and you are a believer, you've given your life to Christ, whether you are a member of this local church body or not, if you've given your life to Christ and you've been baptized, then I would invite you, you can join in with us during this Lord's Supper celebration. But if you're here and you would say, I've not yet given my life to Christ, then I would just encourage you, let the plate pass on by you. If you have a child with you today that has not yet given their life to Christ, let the plate pass by them and use this as a teaching opportunity later on in the day. Because when we come to Christ's table, when we, when we share in, and observe the Lord's Supper, what we are saying is we share in the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you can't say that, uh, then I would just encourage you to let the plate passed by you this morning. So at this time, I'm going to get these passed out to our deacons so that they can pass this out to you. And so you can peel the top of the cup back now, that second layer. If you've not already done that, you'll have the open cup. And let's just pause right now to thank Jesus for his blood that was shed for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us, God. We thank you for uh, just the enduring pain as you hung there on the cross, as the blood flowed from your head, as the blood flowed from your hands, your feet, and your side. Uh, Lord, we are just so thankful, uh, Lord, for, for your willingness to go through all of that on our behalf, Lord. And I pray that uh, 
as we remember your sacrifice, that it would impact our lives. It would impact uh, how we live. It would impact our thankfulness each and every day, just as we give you thanks today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Amen. Well, I'm going to allow the deacons to go back to their seats at this time. And really, as we think about the Lord's Supper, let me say again, right? This should impact not just what we do in this building. It should impact us every single day. Our, our lives should overflow with gratitude as, as we remember what Christ did for us. Right? This is something that you and I deserved and yet something that he did willingly on our behalf. And so uh, I don't know how to live my life apart from being thankful for his great sacrifice. And so we need to get dressed. We need to go to God's word and we need to give thanks. Now we just responded to Christ's sacrifice through thankfulness, but you might need to respond to his sacrifice through surrender, through allowing Jesus to become the Lord of your life. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to have a time of response. And if you've never given your life to Christ, today can be the day. If you would say, Jesus is not currently my Lord, he can become your Lord today. And so as we sing this song, if you've never given your life to Christ, but today you recognize the sin in your life and you know Jesus died for your sins, he rose again and you're ready to surrender to him. As we sing, would you come? Would you step out of your seat? Would you join me down here that, that you might give your life to Christ today? Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've not taken that next step of baptism. Baptism, just like the Lord's Supper, is a, a way that we remember this, this death and resurrection of Christ. It, it doesn't save us, but it's a great picture of what Christ did for us. And it's something that he calls all believers to do as we are buried with him and as we are raised to new life. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never been baptized and, and you want to make that commitment, then I would invite you to respond as well. We're going to have a baptism next week. I'd love to get yours on the schedule as well. So you can respond as well. Maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I followed with baptism by immersion already. And, and I know that God's calling me to join this church body. If God's calling you to join First Baptist Stockdale today, I would invite you to respond as well. Would you stand with me right now as we go to the Lord in prayer together? Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.